TSX or no audio. Hello everybody, it is just after 5 o'clock in the morning on Wednesday, February 14th, 2024, and it's time for a ramble. I had a the privilege, the gift of a visit from a friend of quite some time. Uh, we're very close. And this provided an opportunity for me to spend time with this person and to avert my gaze from geopolitics. And this, of course, meant that when I returned my gaze to the topic of geopolitics, I was just taken aback, actually, by just how unbelievably mad the world is at the moment. It was quite stunning. So I thought I'd wander across the summary of that sort of shock. And we can begin with the most recent episode of Judging Freedom, on which Napolitano speaks with Alastair Crook. And with reference to that, we can return one step back to the most recent discussion with Larry Johnson. And he characterised Alastair Crook rather tenderly, uh, and based upon it, upon should you have the chance to speak with him in person? And the way I recall that characterization was that Johnson described Crook as cautious and obviously intelligent. <laughs> the reason that's worth mentioning is because during the discussion between Napolitano and Crook, Crook issues a serious warning of an impending catastrophic calamity which is likely to occur in the Middle East. The risk is, he described the risk actually as a conveyor belt. What his analysis reveals, which is not terribly hard to realise, but it's, he puts it well, and, and so I'm, I'm grateful to him for that, is that it doesn't take much from here before the US gets wheeled along on the conveyor belt into a confrontation with Iran. And that is entirely that which the Zionists and US neocons wish. So it would be quite difficult for the US, under <laughs> mentally impaired Biden, as <laughs> described by his own Justice Department recently, to avoid this. And so that's, that's one. There's a whole, there's a few things I want to visit, but that's one. That's, that's. Alastair Crook's analysis, wake up, boys and girls, we're heading for serious trouble, serious trouble. So that's one. And the next thing to look at is just Gaza itself. There's a wonderful article which I've referenced in the um, On Making Bread article by John Lyons, who's the global affairs correspondent for ABC News and has reached that position because he's been a foreign correspondent for decades. Uh, so he's well-respected. And he provides an article which is packed with statistics which show that, as I put in the bread article, that whenever we're referring to the people who are suffering because of this genocide, the first categorization of those people should be children. This is what is being done. It is ghastly is not extreme enough a term. To describe what's being done. So, we have this. 
a genocide, a ghastly genocide being committed by the Zionists in Israel. The US has decided that uh, the right thing to do about that is to keep supplying them with weapons and also, on the one hand, call for uh, aid to the children being murdered in Gaza, while at the same time calling for themselves uh, withdrawing funding from UNRWA, which is the group that actually provides the aid, and calling for all of their vassals to do the same. So it's completely duplicitous. And at the same time, they are going about some weird process whereby they think that they can somehow reduce the effect that Ansar Allah in Yemen are having on imposing a form of blockade on Israel, which it was imposing on Gaza. So, and, and of course, they've been completely ineffectual. And the US president, Biden, has admitted this. You know, is this working? No. Are we going to keep doing it? Yes. And this, this has been echoed again with other policies, which is the next topic, Ukraine, right? Uh, is, is, it, is it working? No. Are we going to keep doing it? Yes. <laughs> and right now, this is, this is the craziest thing. In the most recent week in review, there were, what, four articles on the passage of bills through the Congress to supply military aid, the greatest euphemism of all time, essentially funding the US's arms industry, in supplying arms to the genocidal Zionists, <laughs> Ukrainians who've lost the war, <laughs> and uh, what's the other one? Oh, whatever. I mean, oh, yeah, of course, Taiwan will be in there somewhere provoking China, right? It's just, it, I'm, I'm just looking at this and going, what the, like snafu land, as a, the description from the week in review. That, that's where we're at, situation normal all up. Except it's just astronomically worse at the moment. Um, just the Ukraine thing is enough, isn't it? You really, really, and then to add on top of this, we've got the um, the recent establishment, you know, tools going into a complete tease over the fact that someone went to Russia, recorded an interview with the Russian Federation president, and had the temerity to publish it on the internet. So they roll out all the old shit and they accuse the left, right and send them. EU people are saying we should run an investigation and sanctions this guy and travel bans and all the shit that everyone, all, all, the, uh, all the, uh, the liberals got upset about when Trump came to power because he was talking about travel bans for Muslim people. Well, now all the liberals in Europe are saying we need investigations to impose travel bans on a journalist for doing his job. And just, you see how batshit stupid the whole thing is? It's quite insane. So, yeah, yeah, good old, good old Putin, 20 minutes of a lecture on history. And I think that um, I agree with Crook in his characterization of that. You know, what was he trying to do? He's trying to say, well, you know, we've been around a while. (laughs) When when does Russia as as an entity first arrive? 900 and something? Okay, 1,000 years. We've been around a while. Um, and there's a long history, and the story of Ukraine is long and complicated. <laughs> it's not a simple thing. Um, so amongst other you know, points, but in the greater picture, of that's what he's trying to do. And I haven't actually uh, completed my reading of the transcript or looked at the rest of the discussion, and I'll get to it eventually. It's, it's not of much more interest is, is the brain cells falling out, the sort of wheels falling off with brain cells falling out the side of all the liberals <laughs> and, the, and the mainstream media. Much more of that, absolutely. 
I think it was Christopher who called it. Said, "Yeah, what we should do is sit back and just watch them lose their nana, <laughs> throw their toys out of the pram and whatever." And that, as I mentioned, is just a complete proof of um, Caitlin Johnson's analysis, which is all they've got is narrative, and they'll do anything they can to defend it. Because if you look at the the whole thing, I mean, what's the recent article which is talking about the fact that. Um, Basically, uh, Germany, this is a sort of, you know, declaration by some whatever thing, you know, the, the Germany's, you know, power, its industrial might, all that, it's, it's gone for the foreseeable future, you know, and why is that? Well, because the, the US blew up the Nord Stream pipeline, so have like, like I said, just to Russian, cheap Russian energy. And then you sit back and you scratch your head and you go, hang on a minute, wasn't it the fact that, you know, there's that great line that the Ray McGovern likes to roll out, which is that, you know, what was the purpose of NATO? Well keep the Germans down, <laughs> keep the Russians out of Europe, and, uh, and whatever the other thing was, doesn't matter. But behind that is, is a deeper understanding, which is it's been a great fear of a lot of the European elite. The worst fear is that Russia and Germany get close together because it's a very dangerous combination with all of those resources that Russia has and the engineering uh, brilliance which the Germans are very good at, and I will add, so are the Russians for that matter. Right? Russia, they make a very dangerous complementary, two of them put together, in terms of uh, production capability, resources, and then brilliance in engineering and maths and, and these sorts of things. Not to mention the cultural side of it. Come on, you know, Germany and Russia produce wonderful, you know, music and art and so forth. But anyway, that's been one of the big fears. So you sort of look at this in retrospect and you go, hang on, that looks like exactly what's going down. It, you know, in retrospect, hello, what we're trying to do is prevent Russia and Germany from getting too close together. It's got nothing to do with Ukraine at all. And the end result of it is the luring of those energy-intensive manufacturing industries away from Europe and into the US. So at a geopolitical ladder, if you really pull back a bit, it gets a bit scary. And the other side of it is the... German staunch support of the right of Israel to defend itself sort of rubbish when Israel's committing a genocide. This is a very dangerous position for them to be in. And I was having a chat with uh, this friend of mine and I was suggesting a, a potential solution. Not well. There's, there, looking at the future outcomes, I see three uh, from the situation in Gaza, the genocide. So outcome number one is that almighty hell gets kicked off and we get the conflagration. And if that happens, then Israel gets destroyed, which is terrible for all sides concerned. Right? And then you've got the one-state or the two-state solution. Right? And the one-state solution is one in which uh, there will be... It doesn't matter which of the two, one or two. There'll be, the conflict between these groups is going to go on and on and on and on and on. It just might turn out to be less continued genocide. I mean, it's going to be... Yeah, nasty for a long time to come. It's going to take two generations, in my view, to sort this out. Uh, because the indoctrination uh, of hatred for the other exists on both sides. Uh, one of it is more manufactured uh, than the other. But for the Palestinians, it's thoroughly sensible because they've been, you know, two generations have been genocided, essentially. Anyway. So, but I was thinking one component of this, sort of one of the essential components of this, is to imprison the Zionists who were at the top of the, uh, the genocide. This has to be done. It'll be very difficult to do, but it has to be done. Otherwise, the whole you know, international law and blah, 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 humanitarian law just 
it's laughing stock, you know, it's all screwed. And there was a way to do this which could also redeem the Germans. And I was thinking that, you know, find out whoever they are, you know, you want the head of the Minister of Defence, Galant, or, and obviously Netanyahu, and whatever, you know. Some people need to go to prison. And where do you want to put them in prison? I, you know, we put them in prison? I reckon the uh, European Union should have a bit of a chat to Germany, Germany and say, Germany, look, you've got these old prisons. Uh, I can see, uh, we can see how they may well be uh, useful uh, politically, uh, generally. And uh, here's the deal. Let's assume that the ICJ comes down with a judgment that Israel is committing genocide. Right now, they've just said there's probable cause and they've, been, they've issued um, interim measures or whatever they're called. Fine. And then a couple of years' time, whenever it is, the judgment comes down about whether it was genocide or not, and we'll see. Right? Okay. So once that happens, then that can be referred to the to any court which can be constituted. It might be the International Criminal Court, which is based on the Rome Statute, which is a bit of a dicky thing because a lot of very powerful countries don't want anything to do with it because they understand what it's being used for. It's for states to prosecute individuals for political purposes. You know, and that was the case in um, with the Ukraine war, with the court, you know, putting out a, you know, indictment, a, a you know, arrest warrant for Putin because what they were doing was taking children from a war zone uh, and giving them a better life. And you can argue about whether that's, you know, having an... It's bullshit because these children were not um, Ukrainian uh, from the West, nationalist, that sort. No, these were Russian children, not of Russian ethnic, Russian-speaking people that were given, being given a better life. So the whole charge is bullshit from the get-go. But anyway, so if a court decides to prosecute these people with being the, you know, the people who perpetrated, instructed the genocide, that's where the intent comes from, with the intent being such an important part of the uh, genocide convention. Right, they get prosecuted. Where are we going to put them in prison? Obviously, let's put them in Spandau. That's perfect. I mean, it's just poetic justice, isn't it? <laughs> put the Zionists in in uh, in the prison where the where the Nazis served. Perfect. That's where you go if you commit genocide. That's where you go. Anyway, so these are just ruminations. The whole thing is just screwed up backwards, as far as I'm concerned. And it what is obvious is the. Again, to come back to Caitlin's analysis, because I think it's, it's, it's so useful. Again, this is like two together. So the Caitlin's analysis, analysis about narrative and then hooking that up with the central M of Mickey Mount from McGovern and understanding that this is what they're doing. It's, it's narrative for political purposes to hide most of the shit that's going on from being seen by the population. They want, they want the voters, the citizens or whatever not to look at what's going on. That's the purpose of the media, is to hide all the dangerous stuff. An example there would be, the other sort of stuff, the one on the fact that, who, you know, who killed the three people in Tower 22? was the US Department of Defence, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, you can't put people there with enemies all around them and not give them a local defence. They're meant to be protected by the, by the um, air, local Air Force base, right? But another base in Jordan uh, that the US has. But obviously, there's no local defence apart from the people themselves and that kind of, I mean, against an incoming drone, right? It's a low-flying incoming drone. Their radar, which only works 20% of the time, wouldn't have worked anyway, even if it was turned on. They wouldn't have seen anything. So all that has to happen is that the local Air Force base aren't using their radar systems properly. They're distracted for whatever the hell reason, and they've got no way of knowing in Town 22 what the hell's coming, and all this bullshit about it follows in another road. Maybe, maybe not. doesn't matter. There's no defence. So who killed them? US Department of Defence. Very simple. 
And, and it was revealed, obviously, in the Washington Post article, and then nobody talked about it. So that's the purpose of the media. As I said, it's to make sure that things that are not to be discussed are not discussed, and to create discussion on anything that is politically opportune. So, but it's pretty obvious. We, we know that around here, right? So, but I just think that, that looking at the current state of affairs, it's just it's catastrophically bad. And there's that thing about having some degree of compassion for people who don't realise how much they've been mentally shafted, emotionally shafted, actually, by the media itself and the, the whole operational system. You know, in, in that, this is what I've been trying to understand: is how does power operate? And there's obviously greater elements to it, you know, the banks and da 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 da, and vested interests and the imperial corporations and all the rest of it. But at its core level, it, that's why I believe that Ray keeps returning to the central Mickey Mouse. It's the media. That's the thing. It's not true, actually. The other thing, that, I mean, that is true. But it's, for, in terms of a root cause, the only solution to this problem that I can see is that the US citizenry actually wrest control of their own government back from the assholes who have got control of it. And the simplest way to do that, the biggest, the most effective thing that can be done is to get money out of politics. And this is something that Aaron Schwartz talked about years ago. And it was Lawrence, professor of constitutional law at Harvard, Lawrence Lessig, who went, oh, shit, he's right. This is this you know, young whiz kid who's a genius, actually. Um, Aaron Schwartz, who committed suicide because the stupid bloody copyright mafia went after him. It was actually a local prosecutor in Massachusetts who, despite the fact that everyone went, let it go, it doesn't matter. It, you know, this prosecutor went, no, no, this is a good, this is a good you know, I'll, I'll get a score here and it'll all be good. And then the guy committed suicide. Asshole. Anyway, that's the thing. Money out of politics. How is it that the Israelis control... The Congress people, money, simple. And the same with the weapons industries and all the rest of it. Get the money out of politics, doesn't solve everything, but it's a good start. Anyway, enough rambling, that'll do it for now. Um, yeah, a few articles coming out, I've got a few on the boil. So look at those in the, in the coming days, and uh, have a good one. Cheers. Welcome back to Yes, X or No Audio.